With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello listeners. Thank you for coming here once again to Faith Talk for today's episode. The real power of I am. We will be in the book of John today if you would like to open there and get yourselves ready. And let us give thanks to the Lord our God for this day and for making it possible for us to be able to study his word and to worship him. And let us take what we learn today out into our everyday lives, living in faithful and happy obedience to God our Father, Christ our Savior, and the Holy Spirit our Comforter. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Now some of you might already be aware of a new book recently put out by a widely known and very popular television personality, a certain man easily recognized by his wavy brown hair and his huge toothy grin, a man who tells stories and gives motivational advice to a stadium full of people down in Texas, a man who claims to be a preacher for God but never actually preaches about God, ironically, and this certain unnamed person's new book is titled The Power of I Am, with the I Am part of the title in big, bold letters. Now, we already know that in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 3, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, my name is I Am. So, when we see a book coming from someone who claims to be a preacher, with I am in the title, well, we might be led to assume that book is going to teach us something about God. But, if this book by this person is opened and the first few pages are even casually scanned, we quickly find out the I am in this book is actually nothing more than a self-help positive affirmation the reader is supposed to speak over their life. I am healthy. I am qualified for that promotion. I am loved by so many people. I am fill in the blank for whatever you want your life to turn into. Now the author of this book promises your life will become all happy and debt free and he gets wealthy on the book sales while you stay just exactly the way you were when you bought that book. Why? Well, besides the fact that he's not an actual preacher and his book is a joke, besides all of this, while this man and others obviously do not know who I am truly is, and while they will go on selling empty vanities to gullible people, who are too willing to believe anything that sounds good without obeying God by testing all things against the scriptures, besides all of that, there is only one real power of I am. And we who are saved into Christ 
are greatly blessed to already know who that is. And today, we will learn more about that real I am as we look at the ten I am sayings of Jesus recorded for us in the book of John. Would you please read with me the words of Jesus at John chapter 4 and verse 26. I, who speak to you, am he. These are the words Jesus speaks. I, who speak to you, am he. Now, in the verses leading up to this, we have a scene with which we should all be familiar, where Jesus was passing through Samaria, and he sat down hot, tired, and thirsty by a well, and along comes a Samaritan woman to draw some water for herself from that well, and Jesus asks this woman to give him a drink. Now, the woman is shocked that Jesus, being a Jew, would ask anything at all from her, being a Samaritan, as there were deep-seated, long-standing ill feelings between these two groups of people at the time. And Jesus replies, telling her, If you knew who it is asking water of you, then you would have asked of me, and I would give you living water. A conversation transpires between Jesus and the woman until she says at verse 25, I know Messiah, who is called Christ, is coming, and he will tell us all things. And it is then that we have Jesus reply at verse 26, saying, Yes, that's me. The one that you're talking about is me. I, who speak to you, am he. The Messiah, the Christ, the one who will come from God to declare all things. Jesus says, I'm him. Now some claim Jesus never personally claimed to be the Messiah, or the Son of God, or to be God. But here in these verses, and in others we will see today, Jesus very clearly, unambiguously, undeniably says, I am the Messiah. Now in this verse, and in all of the remaining ten, there is something of utmost important uh, point that, that is made here. That this is so critical, we must pay attention to this. We must understand this where the English translations have Jesus saying, I am. The original words were written under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the common everyday Greek language of the time using the words, Ego Aimi. Ego Aimi, I am. And back there in Exodus chapter 3, where God tells Moses that his name is I am, that was written in Hebrew as Yahweh, Y-H-V-H, Yahweh. And the direct Greek equivalent of Yahweh from the Old Testament is, in the New Testament, what? Egoimi. Okay, so what does all this mean? Well, Jesus says much more here at verse 26 than simply, I am the Messiah. He says, in a way, clearly understood by this woman, I am am God. Where God says to Moses in Exodus 3, I am, and Jesus says to the Samaritan woman in John 4, I am, yes, in the flesh, in his earthly ministry, in his perfectly obedient life, his innocent death, his bearing of the wrath of God when our sins were placed upon him, 
in the resurrection and ascension. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, this woman expected from the prophecies. But above that, eternally before that, now today, eternally forward from today, Jesus is God, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, distinctly three, yet perfectly one God, united, a fact attested to throughout scriptures in a way that our tiny human minds can only feebly grasp at for now. But we will understand this perfectly when we do get to glory one day. For now it is enough that we understand, that we know God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, Jesus. Three, yet one. John 4.26 proves to us Jesus is the expected Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One from God. Indeed, God Himself. And look at the reaction of the Samaritan woman who believed Him. She forgot all about her jug of water, we can read. She ran home and she told everyone, Come and see the Christ. And many did. Amen. Many did. Think about that. Let we who have believed upon Jesus do the same thing. Run home and tell our friends and our families, Come and see the Christ. Now, a lot of them simply won't, but some will. Some will. Let's turn forward now to John chapter 6 at verse 35. Now here, and also again a few verses later, John chapter 6, verse 48, Jesus says these words, I am the bread of life. Let's get some background and look at the context of what's going on here when Jesus says this. Shortly after Jesus performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with only the five loaves of bread and the two fish, not only fed them until they were full, but 12 baskets full of leftovers were gathered up. Wow. Jesus says to the people, starting at verse 26, You do not follow me because of the signs that I do, but because you ate the bread and you were filled. And you know what? I believe Jesus would repeat these words today to much of the church around the world. You do not claim to follow me believing who I am, and that I am your only way of salvation, but only for the material benefits you think you can get by claiming to follow me. That's so sadly true. There are, are pews around the world filled every Sunday morning by people who do not want to know the Master but only want some of the free goodies they think they can get from the master's table by hanging around. Enough of that. As the scene progresses in verse 27 onwards, Jesus says to the people, Forget about the bread that will perish. Come for the bread of eternal life. So the people respond in so many words, Moses gave the people manna from heaven. What will you do so we can believe you? And Jesus with so much patience, so much love, it's just amazing, replies gently, Moses did not give you anything, but my Father has given you true bread from heaven, which gives life. Now some of the crowd, beginning to perhaps believe, perhaps understand just a little bit, some of the crowd want this bread that Jesus is talking about and he says to them, I am the bread of eternal life. 
I am, ego, I me, identifying himself as God, the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Now this is not, let us make it clear, this is not as twisted and misused by the name and claim false teachers any sort of a promise of worldly material blessings of real food and real drink right here in this world. But this is saying to us, we who believe will never spiritually hunger or thirst. Jesus, the bread of life, fills us to, uh, to overflowing abundance spiritually right now and promises us eternal life after this. And he repeats this again a few moments later at verse 47 and verse 48. So there we see God, the promised Messiah, and God, the true bread of eternal life. Now, would you please turn to John chapter 8 and verse 12, where Jesus is presented as God, the light of the world. This occurs immediately after the scribes and Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Yet, somehow, they did not bring the man with whom she was caught in the act <laughs> alongside. That it goes unexplained. It just is what it is. They obviously let him go. And they tried to test Jesus, saying, The law of Moses requires this woman to be stoned to death. What do you say? And of course we know Jesus' reply. Let the one among you without sin throw the first stone at her which struck their conscience, and they all, one by one, walked away. Now alone, just Jesus and the woman, Jesus says to her, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. And there's been a crowd standing a short distance off, observing all of this, and he says to the crowd who was there watching, I am. Ego, I me. The light of the world, he who follows me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because Jesus is God, existing from eternity past, along with and one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, manifested for a short time among his creation as one of us, fully completing the work of our salvation at the cross, resurrecting from the dead, ascending in glory back to heaven, and coming again to judge every person. Anyone who is saved by faith in him no longer walks around in spiritual darkness, loving sin, not even knowing how damningly wrong sin is. But the saved have always with them the one true light which guides and teaches the light of God showing us at every twist and turn and choice on the path which way we must go. If you would like for your own personal study later, you can find Jesus saying this again to a different crowd of people under different circumstances at John chapter 9 and verse 5. I am the light of the world. Next, and this one is of particular relevance to those people and those religions out there who refuse to believe Jesus is God or that he ever even identified himself as God, 
Let us go and take a look at John chapter 8 and verse 58, and we will see where Jesus says something that causes the people to try to stone him to death for blasphemy, what they blindly perceived as the blasphemy of claiming, I am God. This scene opens with a crowd of Jews trying to verbally manipulate Jesus into giving up just one small slip, anything at all, which they could turn against him. And Jesus, giving a series of responses which calmly and rationally present who he is, while at the same time laying out in plain view the true intentions of these people. Okay, we're getting to uh, verse 42 to 47, where Jesus says, for example, If God were your father, you would love me. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do his desires. You do not hear my words, because you are not of God. Now, a bit further on. Since these people are so proud of their descent from Abraham, Jesus says, Abraham saw my day, and he was glad. Correctly interpreting this to mean that Jesus was claiming that he was alive at the time Abraham was alive, many centuries prior to that time, the Jews think they have that verbal slip that they've been waiting for, and they pounce on it. You're not even 50 years old, they say. And you claim that you have seen Abraham? Can you just imagine the, aha, gotcha, and the scornful laughter, the, yeah, oh, we got him now, until Jesus plainly says this at verse 58, Before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, ego aimi. Before Abraham was born, Yahweh. Before Abraham was born, God. And immediately, the people take up rocks to stone Jesus. For what? For avoiding their verbal traps? For exposing their deceitful purposes? No, for what they perceived to be the capital punishment crime of blasphemy. And it would be blasphemy for any other person who has ever lived. They wanted to stone Jesus to death because he stood there in public and stated loud and clear in a manner which was impossible to understand, I did live long before Abraham because I am God. At a later point in time, recorded in the other Gospels, the high priest would tear his robes and demand Jesus' death at that illegal mock nighttime trial. Death specifically for the crime of blasphemy. Death specifically for saying, I am. But we will not get diverted today, perhaps during another episode, but today we will stay in John and we will go to John chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. I am, ego aimi, here again, the door of the sheep. Others have come before me, but they were only thieves and robbers, and my sheep did not listen to them. The ones who enter through me will be saved. Now, Jesus says three things here for us to pay especially close attention to. Jesus says, Others have come before him, 
but they were only thieves and robbers, false shepherds, and the true sheep did not go with them. And indeed, the historical records of the Jews do tell us about other so-called messiahs who came before Jesus. Remember in the book of Acts where we can read how when the apostles had been ordered to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, one of the Jewish leaders said, Whoa, now wait, hold on. Remember back when this one claimed to be the Messiah and that one claimed to be the Messiah and some people followed them, but they just faded off and disappeared. Perhaps this one claiming to be the Messiah will too, but if this one is the real Messiah, you will be opposing God himself. There were others who came on the scene before Jesus claiming to be the fulfillment of the scriptures, false shepherds. And the true sheep, the Jews who believed the prophecies and looked forward, waiting for the true Messiah, did not go with those thieves and robbers. Where the flocks of two shepherds are mixed in a field, and one shepherd calls out, only the sheep belonging to that shepherd will come, recognizing his voice, while the others do not know his voice and ignore him. As today, we who are owned by the good shepherd Jesus refuse to hear the voice, the vain promises, the empty vanity of any but the true Christ himself and his under-shepherds, those faithful and sincere preachers of God's word who speak only God's truth. Jesus says, the sheep who enter through him will be saved. Even today in places where shepherding is the way of life, a shepherd will build a four-walled structure of stone with one opening in one wall. At night he will call his sheep into the structure through that one doorway into a place where they are safe, and then he will lay across that opening all night while he sleeps. The sheep must literally enter safely through the only way in, through the shepherd who guards the door. There is no entry into the safety of the sheepfold, into the salvation of God, except through the one single entrance, the door, Jesus Christ. And of course, the third important thing for us to see here is yet another of Jesus' direct statements of his divinity. I am, ego aimi, Yahweh, God, the door. Immediately following, in this very same discourse, Jesus says at John chapter 10, verse 11 through 14, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, Jesus says, lays down his life for his sheep. A hint here of what will come not long after this scene, Jesus giving himself up on the cross to save his sheep from their sins. But other shepherds, ones who are merely hired to do a job, will not truly care for the safety of the sheep. And as soon as danger comes, they will run away and they will let the sheep be taken by wolves. We can take a look around ourselves and we can see many of these hired hands these worthless shepherds, men who are in the position for money, popularity, TV fame, to sell books, 
but not because they have been called by God to the position, not because they are willing to sacrifice and to do whatever it takes to protect God's flock, not because they have been commissioned by and taught by and want to be like the one good shepherd, Jesus Christ. I am Ego Aimi, directly identifying himself as God, the good shepherd. Verse 14. I know my own, and my own know me. The Messiah, the bread of life, the light of the world, existing before Abraham, the gate, the good shepherd. And yet there is even more. Please turn with me now to John chapter 11, verse 25, where Jesus is the resurrection and the life. At John chapter 11, verse 1 through 24, we are familiar with the account of how Jesus' friend Lazarus has died and has been buried, and Jesus has waited four days to come to Lazarus' tomb. And there, Jesus finds Martha, Lazarus' sister, weeping and grieving, and she says to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will do for you. And Jesus says to her, Your brother will rise again. But Martha, who thinks Jesus is simply referring to the future resurrection of all who have died, replies, Yes, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And this is where Jesus says to her, I am, ego aimi, the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. A few verses later, Jesus had the stone rolled away from the tomb door, and he said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And Lazarus, still wrapped in his burial cloth, came walking out of the tomb alive, showing no sign of the decay or the odor they had all expected from a body that had been dead for four days. They unwrapped Lazarus from his burial cloth, and he went on about his daily business like he had never been dead at all. There is enough right here in John chapter 11 for a whole series of sermons. But as we are focused today on the divinity of Jesus, for right now we shall simply know and believe that standing there outside Lazarus' tomb, no one who heard Jesus say those words could have missed what he meant. They may not have fully understood it yet. They may have not even agreed with it yet. But they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. God is the resurrection and the life for those who believe. I am the resurrection and the life for those who believe. I am God and I will raise your brother Lazarus. Now there are a lot of religions, a lot of beliefs, a lot of people out there who say Jesus was a lot of things, anything at all, except God. To the Muslims, Jesus was a great human prophet. To the Mormons, Jesus is a created being, a spirit child of God and his wife, just the same as you and me and even Lucifer. 
perhaps more about those at another time, but are we starting to see conclusively and undeniably that Jesus Christ always has been, is now, and always will be God? There is more. There is a lot more. And this next one is one of the most important of all, as it speaks to the eternal future of absolutely every soul. Would you please take a look with me now at John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, this takes place at the Last Supper, after Jesus has blessed and shared the bread and wine, after Judas has left the upper room to go and bring the soldiers to arrest Jesus, and this statement is a part of a lengthy final teaching session Jesus is having with the remaining eleven disciples before they go out into the garden where Jesus would soon be arrested. At that period of time, the same as for long before that, and the same as now, there were almost too many religious beliefs floating around out there to, to count. Too many philosophies, too many ideas, so many religions. So many ways man had come up with for himself. Ways to reach whatever their idea of salvation was through their own ceremonies and their own work. Jesus, in one moment, smashes to pieces every single one of these other ways when he says, I am, ego aimi, Yahweh, God, the way, the truth, and the life. All other ways, absolutely every other way, is a dead-end road, a lie, and death. No one, not even one single person who tries any other way at all, comes to, will ever be saved by, the Father except through me. Useless, unsaving ways exist everywhere, not just in the obvious false religions of the world. There are countless millions of people around the world every Sunday morning sitting in a church someplace who are positively convinced that they are saved. But on what exactly are they staking their bet? Hmm? Oh, they attend every week. They tithe. They got baptized. They're on this board or that committee, or they're a deacon or an elder. Maybe they're even the pastor, so of course they must be saved. They pat themselves on the back. And they are sure they have the biggest mansion in heaven waiting for them because of those sorts of things. But Jesus says, no, that is a works-based salvation and you don't get saved by any kind of works at all. Jesus says, I am the way and you will never get anywhere near the Father unless you forget all about that other stuff and you come to him through nothing but faith in me. Do all of those things, sure, after you get saved through faith in Christ, not because you think those things have any power at all to save you themselves. Jesus does not give any of us even the tiniest bit of room for wiggling around trying to say, yeah, yeah, but, but, well, 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 what about... No. J 
Jesus just very plainly and very simply says there's one way to God and I'm it because I'm God. Messiah, bread of life, light of the world, existing before Abraham, the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. For our ninth I am saying of Jesus. Come and have a look at what happened the night Jesus was arrested. When the soldiers who came to get him literally fell down in fright just hearing him say who he is. Turn now in your Bibles to John chapter 18, verses 5 through 8. Jesus' last Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room has concluded. Judas, a little bit earlier, has gone away alone and now Jesus and the eleven remaining disciples have gone out into the garden outside the walls of the city. While they are there, Judas and an escort of armed soldiers approach. Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss, and Jesus asks the soldiers, Whom do you seek? To which they answer, Jesus, the Nazarene. And Jesus, offering no resistance, no effort to hide his identity, simply says, Ego, Aimi, I am. Now, the English word he that we read in our Bibles is an addition by the translators to simplify and to clarify the structure of the sentence. Our Bibles read as I am he. But not merely I am Jesus the Nazarene whom you seek. That is not the structure or the intention of the Greek used by John. Jesus stood there calmly and said, I am. And hearing these words, the scripture tells us, the guards drew back and fell to the ground. They fell down, but why? Well, what else could any mortal man, or for that matter, any creation of God, do upon witnessing his creator in the flesh, proclaiming in the common language of the day the equivalent of the divine name and identifying himself. When Jesus said, I am he, it was heard and it was understood as, and it had the effect of, here is God. I hope, oh I hope, that in these nine verses, we have clearly and undeniably seen that Jesus Christ is not what many religions make him out to be. Not a prophet like the rest, not just a great teacher, not merely a miracle worker, not even as some religions claim an archangel, not as some religions claim equal to God, but not God. Let us understand this as clearly as we possibly can. The Trinity is a hard thing to wrap our minds around, but the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. One God in three persons. That's a whole sermon for another time, but the Son, Jesus Christ, is God. As much God as the Father is, and as the Holy Spirit is. Now, why have I spent so much time on this today? Why have I gone through nine verses to repeat over and over 
the deity, the Godhood of Jesus. I did it because it brings us to our tenth verse of the ten I am sayings in the book of John. And it brings us to the verse where we see the real power of I am. And it is not found in the book written by that Sunday morning salesperson on TV that I talked about at the beginning. The real power of I am is found in the truth of God's word. And we will look at it right now if everyone will please turn to John chapter 8 with me. Read this with me. John chapter 8, verse 24. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Of all of the I am sayings of Jesus in the book of John, we have read together today. This one stands in a position of absolute importance. There are many ideas in the world today which are called Jesus. Wise teacher, great prophet, genie granting anything that we ask for, best friend in the sky, many more. But here, the real Jesus smashes all of those into the dust. When he says, If you do not believe that I am God, you have no hope for salvation. If the Jesus whom you love and serve and worship and sing songs to is not God, co-equal with and eternally existing in perfect unity with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, not three gods, not one God who just shows up in different places and different times, different ways, but one God who is somehow three, and Jesus being truly God, while also truly Son of God, man, it is just too high for us to have a perfect understanding of with these limited human minds right now. But know this, if you bow the knee to any Jesus whom you do not completely believe to be God, you have a Jesus who cannot save you from your sin. The unimaginable wretchedness, ugliness, and evil of our sin is so staggeringly immense. A whole ocean of the blood of bulls and lambs sacrificed before the cross cannot wash it away. And no amount of personal good deeds after the cross can cover it up. There was only one sacrifice perfect enough to satisfy the justice of a perfect God and that sacrifice had to be God sacrificing God to God. Can we get this? God had to sacrifice God to God because our sins were just so decrepitly evil. Nothing else could work. And that is why Jesus went to the cross. God requires all sin to be either punished or covered over by a sacrifice. Only God himself is holy enough to be that sacrifice to cover sin. The real power of I am, it's not what that wolf on TV wrote about in his book. It's what God wrote in his book. It is that sin is covered 
for those who believe Jesus is God. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you for tuning into the show, and we will have another one up and ready again for you very soon. Keep keep on checking for updates. God bless every single one of you listeners, and may you have a wonderful day in the Lord. Live Christian. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.